Welcome to the Open House Podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. Everything from training methods, technique, massage, and other odd topics that come up. So make sure you subscribe, leave a, leave a review, anything like that. It helps us out. Today, we've got Tyree, George, and Andrew here today. What's up, guys? Right. Well, today's... I'm feeling good today for no reason. Gotta crack open the dream sickle ring. I wish we didn't make that a thing. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful. We were having that uh, conversation in the gym the other day about how uh, energy drinks are just overrated. Yeah, so that dream sickle thing, does it have any sugar in it? I'm sure it does, and I never look. Let's see. No. It's got three carbs. Yeah, so zero. no sugar. <laughs> zero sugar. Yep. Yeah, so at least, like, you want some carbs to, like, help you out in your training. It's pretty much what we came up with is that's only giving you caffeine. So you just paid $3 for a caffeine pill. <laughs> I, I can't. Yes, that's yeah, yes. The good stuff that you get with pre-workout, um, citrulline. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You get they a bunch of stuff that they have coenzyme Q10 and beta alanine and stuff in there, but I doubt it's any significant amount because otherwise that shit would taste terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing a little bit of research, and I was like, because you know how some of the energy drinks they have creatine in it, and I was yeah. like, so I still take creatine on the side even though my energy drink states it has creatine in it. And the actual amount of creatine in the drink wasn't significant it's like enough nothing. to it's like substitute 0.8. your creatine. Yeah. Andrew, are you pre-workout or energy drinks? I'm a coffee guy. I just kind of drink uh, coffee unless it's competition. I, I wonder sometimes if you're ever not in a sympathetic state between like your controversial like personality <laughs> and your bang and ring consumption. I don't know if you ever have like a calm moment to yourself. <laughs> it's, it's very rare. It is very I, rare. Every once in a while, he'll like put on some calm music or something. But then the problem with that is, it's usually when he's going for a PR. So <laughs> there he's out of that one again, too. Yeah, I guess that happens too. I mean, I was listening to calm music the other day, but what that was, we just had like Cooper catches and press and split stuff. So that was a nice calm lifting day. But, but yeah, I guess I, you I still feel around. Like, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I still feel like you're talking shit inside, though, even if you're calm music. Always. I, I will say that. Yes, that is always happening. The days when that would be nice when you show up to the gym and I'm just playing calm stuff. Like I remember one time I didn't even think about it, um, but Parker, I used to get there early and Parker was normally like the second person to get there and he would get there in the middle of my warm up, and I didn't even realize like there was a way to like the type of music I played. There was a pattern to it and it was after a few months, Parker came in. He's like, ah, you have something heavy today, don't you? And I just looked at him like, why, why, why? Said because you're playing '90s R&B. Why you That is up. the station. Dude, like, Boys and Radio <laughs> is the station. I, like, I would play that during warmups, and then it would just slowly ramp up, and I didn't even think about it. He's like, "No, you do that every time," and I had I didn't even realize I was doing that. Yeah, Parker's pretty observant. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely like a way you can use music to kind of like help you out, get you up to a certain zone or take you back down just to find that zone of optimal performance. Yeah, so Andrew, you're even in a coffee shop right now. Yes. Making coffee, yeah. So me and yeah. you are the coffee guys. That's what I got right now. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's too much. I've also like, if you train enough times without caffeine, sometimes you realize it's like, I don't know. I don't think it's a crutch, but it's like, you think you need it to get in the mindset. And then once you have a few reps with the bar, it's you're like, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm ready to train. You know? I say that's why I don't like pre-workout because so I did take pre-workout like before I used to use pre-workout like this was before I got to how um, and Jamie used to use we used to use earth fed muscle so it's not like it's it doesn't have a bunch of stuff in it but it was pre-workout and it got to the point where one day Jamie took like three scoops and it was just a random day it was like a random Wednesday I looked at him like Jamie why why three like i don't feel two scoops anymore and that was when i was like okay i need to get away from i need to get away from pre-workout because at least with this i know i'm getting 300 milligrams that's it i'm not double or getting an extra big scoop like it stays it's holding when i saw him start having to add scoops of pre-workout just to feel it again i was like yeah i don't i don't want to do that and that's when i stopped taking pre-workout before training so like pre workouts the gateway drug and then like you're using a bang limits yourself so you can't go over the edge. <laughs> yeah. Or you yeah, could just switch it. to pre workout brand. If you feel like you get used to it. Just try a new one. I could bounce around, but I yeah. the bang seems to work. It's just enough for me to feel good while I'm training. And then on comp day, that's when I'm down in twelve hundred milligrams of stuff anyway. So uh Oh yeah, 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 yeah I've seen comp day. Comp day is different. Saving the pre-workout for like the three main like heavy lifts per week, I think is ideal. Like the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I mean, if you got to take, at least in our program, if you got to take pre-workout to get through, like what was yesterday's or uh, Tuesday's workout was like. The day when I was listening to calm music. <laughs> Cooper catches. Yeah. Uh, muscle snatch. Know, muscle yeah. snatch. Like 50%. I mean, you're not even going heavy. If you need right. pre-workout to do that, you got yeah, it's kind of like it's like I need to take Advil before I go for a walk. It's like there's probably some other underlying issues <laughs> that like we should address, you know? A hundred percent agree. I'll say Tuesday was a perfect day because it wasn't heavy. Um, I was already irritated going into the gym, so I played nice, calm music, put myself in a better mood, got to lift light so everything moved well. It was a really good training day. Cooper catching is always fun. That was that was a ideal. That was the best day of the week so far. I don't know. Those sets of ten on the Penley rows were pretty tough. I was talking to there was a CrossFitter there because I I came in the middle of one of the CrossFit classes and he's doing extra stuff on the side, and I told him I know what I'm bad at. So whenever I get something like that, I try really hard. Like I try really hard on Penley row or bent over row, or even like yesterday we had the clean pulls from blocks. I was trying so hard to keep my hips down. Like, so whenever I see those movements in our programming, those are the focus of the day because I need to pull better. So that's what I focus on the most. Like that is the highlight of the day. Oh, we're pulling something. All right, cool. That's, that is what the whole day is based around. 
Yeah, how are you guys feeling after all these pools? I was pretty smoked yesterday, not gonna lie. I'm shockingly better than I thought I would be right now. I I, I feel perfectly fine today. Um, my legs were dead in the middle of those poles, but... Yeah. Tyree's in a little bit different situation because he hasn't been doing the weightlifting parts as aggressive as you guys. Um, uh, that's, true. that's true. So you should be feeling a little bit better than them. Uh, but a couple people are feeling pretty rough because we're going, we're pulling heavy like three times a week. Heavy yeah. meaning like two of the days are at 100% of either the snatch or the clean and the other day is well beyond that. So like, I love the snatch pulls from blocks. I love those. I didn't really, I don't know. I I feel, with the pulls, I feel like not that great in the moment and I expect to be sore, but then I'm not that sore. But I think it's just because we ramped up and I like took it easy in the first few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost didn't understand the pulls from blocks. They kind of just was like, I think I might have set my blocks a little too high, so it was like not very hard. But overall, I don't know. Those the clean pulls from deficit, I had to go down and wait. Uh, and then I did Saturday's workout this morning, uh, just because of life and such. So the snatch deadlifts as of a percentage of deadlift was like nuts. So that also did not go to prescribed weights. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta like push your expectations on what you can actually snatch deadlift. Cause I think people could snatch deadlift more than they think they can. I snatched uh, deadlifted 95% of my actual deadlift for a double. Again, I'm not a good deadlifter, but that was back when James was pushing us on snatch grip deadlift. So he was pushing us and beating us with it. And then I'm not a good deadlifter, so I end up hitting a really yeah, high percentage. I remember that cycle. I, but even then, I didn't do an amazing job at it. Like, I was supposed to do them at 210, and I had to do them at, like, I tried 200. It didn't get off the ground, so I did them at, like, 190. And that was, that was rough. And I feel like, yeah, positions were not very good. But Yeah, really, when, whenever you get past, like, 110, 115% of your snatch, your positions really are not going to be that great. Um, just because it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a snatch pull anymore. It's going to be a deadlift. The center of gravity just changed so much that just to try to make it the same as your snatch just probably won't work. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe that's what. It's just an odd, like even pulling deadlifts is an odd thing, right? Like pulls. Most of any time I'm pulling something is not slow, like in the in the powerlifting sense, I guess. So mm-hmm. having and especially with snatch, when you're so used to snatch and it's like you're standing up versus like once it gets heavy and you're like you can't move that bar unless your butt shoots up and then immediately like your low back and hamstring loads, it's like, whoa, this feels weird. So there's something like inherent within my like, I guess how I, I want to pull something off the bar that probably limits me in getting it done. But yeah, I have been getting crap on Instagram every single day I post the pull. So I have a powerlifting friend. And she comments every time, this looks terrible. This is the ugliest deadlift. You're yanking it off the floor. Stop yanking it off the floor. I'm like, man, she said, slide your hands in. I'm like, I did. She, she asked if that if that was where I cleaned from. Like, I, I purposely slid my hands in from where I cleaned and slid my feet in some. And she was like, yeah, it's still too wide. And you're still yanking. So I'm so used to pulling like a weightlifter that even when I try to do some powerlifting tweaks, She's still like, nah, that's ugly. Nah, your hips are too high. I'm like, I thought my hips were supposed to be higher. I'm, 
I'm struggling. You just built for sumo. (laughs) I don't think I have jerked more than I've ever sumo deadlifted. Actually, put sumo in the next one. Let's let's not. God, we won't do like the conventional sumo. You know what I like doing is the uh, hybrid sumo, but it's like an RDL in sumo. Oh, I know. Yeah, so you're I like doing that like weird, like super low hip, but you're okay. doing like an RDL and you really load the back. It's a pretty good exercise. I like those. And then there's, we, for a while we were doing those wide stance good mornings. I kind of like those too. I really like those. I like those a lot. I always do those on the safe part. We have good, good mornings. Good mornings. You guys remember? I would do like I would get around like body weight. You, man, that's a lot. I'm really bad at good mornings. But but yeah. I know I'm bad at it, so that that's like I try to die. Also, use a safety bar. Safety bar makes it much easier. Does it make it safer? <laughs> just just a tad. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I I, I like using a safety bar because like the weight stays balanced, and you can load it just a little more. So I'll get around. I tried to do my last couple sets at eighty. I saw a powerlifter at Good Morning eight hundred pounds with a safety bar once. Oh my! That's God. insane. That is yeah, insane. It was like he started at the bottom and they were on chains, and he kind of used a little bit of momentum and swing from the chains, but uh, it was still pretty impressive. So it was like definitely powers. like cheater curl type of Good Morning. But it was, uh, you know, it was still, it was still impressive. It wasn't so, like a strict. What do you think long. about that? Um, the powerlifter that just hit that deadlift world record. That's technically, un- what? Well, yeah. Do you know which, uh, which lift I'm talking about? Yeah, the dude that did sumo and he did like a thousand something pounds. It was, I think, it was one thousand seventy four. Do you yeah. think that that was more impressive than Eddie Hall and Thor? How many kilos yeah. is that? half the size uh, four right no I, I think it's like four i don't know 488 490 yeah i'd say so because he did 490 thor did 501 and eddie hall did 500. this guy yeah. weighed half as much as they do and he did it without straps and he did it without a squat suit and he did it after squatting and bench pressing that day. He didn't just have a deadlift day where he put on a suit and straps and went for it. So, yes, his, ran- his range of motion was smaller. On. What's up? I'm pretty sure he had a suit on. Oh, uh, no, it was just a virus. Nope, it was wrong. Yeah, I would say that's more impressive than Eddie, than Hathor. Hathor, like, didn't even do it in a competition, let alone, right. like... He didn't do it after other events because Eddie's was in a strongman competition, wasn't it? Or was uh, it only no, it, a deadlift it was a, thing? It was just a deadlift thing. So there were other people uh, there and it was a deadlift competition. But gotcha. they made that because they told Eddie they were going to pay him some wild number if he could hit it. So that they yeah. set that event for Eddie to do it. Yeah, I think, well, this, this powerlifter dude seems more impressive to me. I kind of like Eddie's at 500 plus or whatever just because him talking about it was insane he had mm-hmm. i don't remember where he was talking about it he was like i guess he worked with some uh i don't know like sports psychologist person 
and they came up with this thing. He was like, he was saying they pinched a portion of his hand and it put him in a completely different mindset. It was like, it was a weird trigger. But him talking about it was cool. I think like Thor is just, yeah, there's just no one like him on the planet. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, this guy, and I think he was a, he was a 10, no, he's a 125, I think. I think he was a 125 lifter or something like that. So, I know a, a couple people said, ah, oh, well, it was sumo, his range of motion. His range of motion wasn't very big. That is the heaviest deadlift without a suit and without straps. So, well, what about John Hack, though? Oh, no, Hack is nasty. Hack's not pulling near Hor- uh, Thor. Did you see what he pulled, though? For his body? Yeah, no, Hack is nasty. He is wild. Oh, yeah, no, like that is. He pulled 410, 410 kilos. That's I'm not sure what he weighed in at this meet, but he typically weighs around like what 181 pounds or so. Oh, yeah, no, he went up though. He did one up since he got on gear, he went up. Well, officially got on gear. Yeah, those guys, uh, I mean, it's an impressive thing to do if they're hitting those big weights and everything, but yeah, it's a it's a different sport, different thing, completely. Um, so going back, how uh, how much do you sleep, Tyree? Me? Yeah, um, how much do you sleep I, last night? Last night? Yeah. Oh man, I would sleep at like nine thirty. Woke up at like six thirty. Six six thirty. Nice. I was gonna ask Andrew, but I think he's got a uh, lawnmower behind him. So we're gonna give him uh, we'll give him a break on that one. Um, yeah, so that's I, get, uh, I have plenty of time to sleep. It's just most of the time I wake up. Yeah, mo- last night I actually slept a bunch, but I always have a bunch of time to sleep. I just normally wake up randomly, but last night I didn't, so I was solid. So you could fall asleep pretty good, even though you're drinking energy drinks. Yeah, um, I've never been one of those people that like, oh, I took it at. 4 p.m. I can't go to sleep now. Like I know Matt used to be like that, but no, I could take it at five o'clock when I go to the gym and still go down by ten. Yeah, they never really bother my sleep. I usually sleep about eight hours. Try to get more if I can, but uh, I'm usually at least up once a night, probably twice. One time I usually have to pee, and then the other time, like my son always gets up, so he's two. And uh, he doesn't sleep through the night still, or he'll sleep with us, and, and it's just like his toenails are stabbing me or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I'm usually yeah. in bed by like 8.30, and I wake up at 5. On some days, on Monday, I had a, I woke up at like 4, uh, just because work schedule, so. Then I train, then I go to work. Yeah, you lift so early. in the morning, and then go to work. Uh, yeah, like on, I had to be at work at six on Monday, so I got to the gym at like four forty, trained, and then got out. Dang, was that might be yours? Yeah, that might be why uh, my pulls have been feeling so <laughs> poopy. Yeah, pulling that early can be rough. Uh, yeah, that's miserable. But yeah, you're still getting a decent amount of sleep. Um, 
Yeah, I just, uh, George, how much do you sleep? You sleep in pretty good, right? Yeah, I normally sleep between 8 to 9. Uh, like last night, I went to bed around 11 and then didn't wake up to like 8.30 this morning. You seem like you sleep a lot, George. Like, it just, uh, that doesn't shock me at all. I feel like you get every hour. I feel like you- Well, I used to not sleep that well at all for the military, so now it's like trying to play catch-up almost. <laughs> now it's a treat. Now sleep is a treat. Yeah, sleep is big. Um, I know we've been getting on the, another guy on the team, Trung, a lot, because he sleeps <laughs> like four hours a night. He doesn't sleep or eat. And I get on him about this all the time. He's like, oh, I ate a whole bunch. I'm like, no, that was not a whole bunch. He doesn't you eat. You kind of consider me kind of weird, too, though, because like I, if I wake up at like 6 a.m. and I see the time, I'll just lay there until I fall back to sleep or I'll just lay there for two hours and do nothing and wait hmm. for the alarm to go off. So yeah. it helps me get like an extra hour sometimes or an extra hour and a half. Mm. And, you just, and you just lay there and not look at a phone. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the trick. Yeah. So uh, I actually thought that uh, I guess it's good that you're out there in uh, Morganton, Tyree, because you're probably sleeping better out there uh, since you don't have to coach CrossFit classes at 4.30 a.m. Um, yeah. And then come train at 5.30 p.m. So that uh, that probably helps out. Um I will say I did get used to it. Like I did get really used to those long days. And even when I had long days, I've told people about the schedule, like people now about my old schedule. I can't even act like I'm doing strenuous work though. Like, yeah, I'm up, but coaching four hours of CrossFit is not strenuous. Like it's not, I get a lot of steps. I might get 13,000 steps in a day because I'm up pacing the whole class, but it's not like I'm, working hard so it never really bothered me yeah i mean i think getting steps in is important but they, they probably do interfere with training a little bit when you're getting uh over ten thousand steps a day i think Lindsay uh, told me i was i was getting weight like when we got to vegas she said try not to get she told me because i'm normally averaging like I'm, I'm always over 10,000. Average, I'm always over 10,000. She said, try not to get as many steps as normal. And then we got to Vegas, and I think my lowest day while we were out there was 12,000. It was just through the roof. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think George and I got like 30,000 because we walked the whole strip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're probably feeling that like crazy, George, because you're saying you're out of the military, you're getting better sleep, and uh, and you don't have to like run or beat up and do as many steps. Yeah, I was just say this, like with the pools and stuff, where everyone's like, "Oh, my legs are tired." It's not my legs; it's like my upper back that's tired. Uh, well, and, um, I can see that with you. Yeah, and then another thing too is like. Um, I follow this sports psychologist on Instagram and I really like one of their posts where they were talking about using your bed as a cue. So like how in weightlifting you have a cue, like, you know, keep the bar closer or et cetera. Like same thing for sleep. The bed should only be for sleeping. Like don't eat in the bed. Don't get on your phone while you're in the bed. Don't watch TV. Like your body has to know once you lay down that it's time to just go to sleep. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I need to like start implementing that with my kids. Um, because one of them falls right to sleep like that, but then the other one likes to stay up and do stuff in their bed 
<laughs> like, uh, I don't know. But then at the same time, they're practicing their creativity, their time alone. Tyree, how many steps did you get when you tried that CrossFit workout? <laughs> yeah, that was a big fail. That was a oh, that was a bad idea. Dude, I didn't so make I'll, it through one round, and my calf did not like that. Yeah, I'll I'll clue. Well, so I asked you that question of like, hey man, when's the last time you run? Because like your calves not might be or might not be ready. Because I had gone for a run two days before. I was like, hey, I'm just going to jog a mile, see how it goes. Like, just nasal breathing. I was like, yeah, I should. Right. Every human should be able to jog a mile. Right. And, dude, my calves, my calves were destroyed. Like, to the point, like, my gastro, like, my, my back of my knee was destroyed. Like, where your gastro crosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh. uh, we just lost him. Um, probably lost signal. Um, but, yes. But yeah. That was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't ready for it and i think the reason mine went so bad is because i had coached the 8 a.m class that day too and i hadn't done double unders since so i like played with them with the eight o'clock class and did a few hundred in the morning with the eight o'clock class i was like oh that felt good all right i can do that i can row and yeah i can run a I can run a mile. Like that's just a mile and it's split up. I can run two minute four hundreds. I'm not gonna sprint it. I only took one round. One round. Yeah, it's amazing how you can like be so out of shape for certain things. Um yep. but yeah, I do think I think you should be able to do a little bit. Like you should be able to run a mile. Um but when you're getting into the specificity of weightlifting and you're really trying to like dial in and make the squat better, um, I think it probably does do more harm than good. Because right there, that the back of the knee, the popliteus type stuff going on there. They, yeah, because then, then that messes with your squat for a while too. That's the biggest thing that I've noticed coming back from training is my squat speed is way down. I don't really know my strength yet. I don't really push squat too much, but my speed has gone way down from just doing like all this hiking and biking with the kids and stuff. That was interesting for me when I got out of the army is um, when I would run all the time or like hike all the time, I would have really, really bad, like restless leg syndrome, almost like just laying in the bed where my legs just could not get comfortable and make it hard to sleep. And now that I'm not doing all the extra running and hiking and stuff, I don't really have that, that feeling in my legs anymore. Like I'm able to get comfortable. So it's pretty interesting. I've never had, I'm trying to think, well, I guess we kind of talked about this last time. Like when, when do I think I get that a little bit. I'm always on the, uh, when was I prepared for the most stuff? Prepared enough for weightlifting, prepared to jump into random runs, prepared to do all of that stuff. It's been a while, but I don't know. How much of that do you think I need to get back? To? Uh, I think you need to get back into GPP first. Like like what we were talking about, low risk exercises first before you can actually handle those higher risks. You know, believe it or not, like he says everyone should run a mile, but running a mile is a higher risk activity than... Uh, doing split squats or, you know, doing GPP exercises. So like isolation work, 
So you need to get really strong at isolation work and build up your your joints and your just your buffer before you can get back. Because once you get that buffer of GPP, you can go back and you can do all those, uh, you know, go for a, a run, a random run, and it's not going to destroy you as much. You're just going to be more resilient. And I think that's really what GPP does. Because you're not really... I, I had this dilemma when I came into weightlifting. Uh, I was so much stronger than everyone. And... Uh, because we did powerlifting and we did a lot of GPP. Uh, but then some people that were just kind of like what I would have considered weak were lifting more and snatching clean and jerk than me. Uh, and they were doing, they were squatting a lot and they were deadlifting. They weren't really deadlifting a lot because weightlifting can get weird like that. But they like couldn't do a curl with a certain amount of weight or they couldn't do, you know, a split squat. You know, they couldn't do all these like, they couldn't I'll do say. a glute so Just you like, were you were Harley, and you saw people like me. When Harley no, came I, to how Harley was just so much stronger than me, and then we would share a bar. It made no sense. Yeah, not quite the same as Harley. Harley is kind of on a different level of how strong he is on, in the squat and like the deadlift and stuff. I was okay at that stuff, but I was a lot stronger at odd little GPP exercises like. Um. You know, like split squats, good mornings. I think I did like 315 for a set of 10 on good mornings. What the? On those wide stance good mornings. Jesus. Um, and just stuff, just stuff like that coming from powerlifting because we had such a strong um, pace, you know, strong focus on those assistance exercises. So I think what that allowed me to do was it, would, it allowed me to have a greater buffer to like go hard and not get injured. And then I could hit more reps at a higher percentage without it taking as much of a toll. While other people could probably hit those same percentages, they just might not have been able to do it as much long-term, mm -hmm. like throughout a whole year. Um, they only got so many reps above 170 on cleans when you could just go endlessly. Yeah, I would say- Random numbers, random numbers. My squat just kind of sucks, so I uh, I had to I had to work on that in a different way, but yeah. So I think I think that's where you need to get strong, is so that you can have that buffer, so that you can hit ninety percent snatches more often, um, or so that you can uh, you know cleans just hit different. Cleans are are unique. You just you just have to be overall strong for cleans. You got to have that absolute strength. Just not letting that weight crumble down on you. Um, there's just no getting around that. You just got to be strong. Um, so do all that stuff before that. But first, you should sleep. Um, this is a... Uh, so I got this watch that tracks sleep and stuff. So I, wa I wore it for the first time last night. And I and I tracked my sleep. But I don't really know what any of it means. So I'm about to do some some research on that, but it's kind of cool because it tells you exactly how much you sleep. And what then George uses a, huh? What watch is it? Uh, a Garmin. Okay. Um, and then George, you've got a Aura Ring or something, right? Yeah, I have the Aura Ring. So the Aura Ring will give you total sleep, efficiency, restfulness, REM sleep, deep sleep, uh, latency, timing. 
resting heart rate, uh, your total time in bed, and like where your total sleep out of that total time was. And it gives you little breakdowns. Like for example, for total sleep, if you click on it, it'll be like, uh, most adults need seven to nine hours of sleep to perform well and stay healthy, but the amount needed varies person to person. And then it was basically saying as you're younger, you probably need more sleep. And for uh, sleep efficiency, sleep efficiency reflects the percentage of spent asleep compared to time spent awake in bed. So for example, I was in bed for nine and a half hours. And it says that between like just waking out, waking up throughout the night and stuff, I only slept about an hour and 23 minutes. I mean, eight hour and 23 minutes, not an hour. That'd be insane. And then restfulness, restfulness tracks your wake ups. So like how much you or your movement in bed. So like I scored really bad on restfulness. So that means I move around a lot in my sleep or maybe I wake up a lot more than I should without realizing it. Uh, REM sleep associated with dreaming, memory, consolidation, creativity. Um, this plays an important role in energizing your mind and body. This includes all of your sleep. It even tracks your naps throughout the day as well. So like it has nap time on here as well. Like if you got any REM sleep during your naps and that REM sleep should make up anywhere between five to 50% of your total sleep time. On average, most adults spend an hour and a half in REM sleep. And then deep sleep is the most restorative and rejuvenating sleep stage during, um, during sleep includes all of your sleep including naps. So they track naps with deep sleep as well. Deep sleep makes up anywhere from zero to 35% of your total sleep. On average, adults spend about an hour to hour and a half in deep sleep as well. Sleep latency is the amount of time it takes you to fall asleep at night. Um, ideally, you should fall asleep within 15 to 20 minutes of laying down. If you if it takes you any longer than that, there could be a sign of like almost like overtiredness or like having trouble to just relax. So like maybe find a new routine to get into bed on time. And then sleep timing plays an important role in your sleep quality and daytime performance. Ideally, your sleep should be aligned with nature's 24 hour rhythm. So basically just having that same time of getting in bed every night and getting up at the same time every day to build like a good routine and rhythm. And it, that's what the breakdown kind of goes over within the app. Yeah, that's neat that it has all those uh, explanations too, because mine doesn't have any explanations. But you just gave me some better ideas about like what mine was saying. Because uh, mine only just does deep sleep, light sleep, REM, and then awake. Uh, and it tells you like your total amount of sleep. But uh, yeah, yours seems to be a little bit more of a total picture, which is neat. I know half the, I don't remember which teams, but I know half the teams here have aura rings. Yeah, I've heard that... Uh, Like, I know, I think it was, yeah, I guess like the university supplying the aura rings. Um, yeah, college students, you know, it, it gets tough with college students, but. The, the good thing about aura and the reason I went with aura, because I was looking at like whoop aura, some of the other watches and stuff is that um sometimes with the watches, like, especially if someone has like tattoos on their wrist or something like that, um, mm -hmm. they could say that it could interfere with the accuracy of the watch. Right. And then there's like certain subscriptions you have to pay for some of the watches as well compared to aura where it goes on your finger, like it's got a tighter fit. And there, um, someone I was talking to was comparing it to like, when you go to the emergency room or like the hospital and they put that clamp on to get your pulse and stuff. Oh yeah. Like the blood oxygen and stuff. Yeah. They were comparing like that sensor to the aura sensor. And that um, the, 
the other cool thing with the Aura was you only pay for it once and then you get unlimited access to all of their information and stuff. There is no like subscription base. So that's, that's, that's I thought it was more group. beneficial. I've thought about getting a whoop a couple of times. Um, so one, I don't want to pay every month. Like, no. I, so that's one. That's one of my issues with it. Um, my second issue with it is uh, to bring up Jamie again. Um, Jamie got a whoop. This was back in like 2017. Um, and he got one. And he just, he tried his best to make sure his recovery was good. Like he was doing everything good. He would sleep, he would eat, he would stretch, he would do a bunch of stuff, try to make sure that he was recovered. And then he would wake up one day and the we would be like, oh, you're at 13% recovery. So to him, he's like, oh, I'm not recovered. I'm not going to train today. I'll push it back a day. And then it just started. Then he was always thinking about training. He's like, ah, yeah, I missed that lift, but I'm only 30% recovered. And I'm like, ah, well, yeah, maybe. But if you didn't know that, you might have made it. So I didn't like yeah. the whoop giving, giving like an, giving you an out for if you're having a bad day. I would rather just not know, because yeah, everybody's so had that day where they feel terrible and then they do something good and you're like, oh, like I remember PR in my back squat. We, it was back when he got that whoop and we had to work up to a heavy single back squat, and we both felt terrible. Squatted one thirty five and it felt so heavy. We're like, oh no, there's no way. I mean, pounds. So we, we squatted like 60 kilos, felt terrible. Just went up to 120, still felt terrible. Then went up to 170. You're like, oh, wait, that felt the same as 120 did. And then all of a sudden, PR'd her back squats. It's like, oh, man, it felt bad, but it never changed. So then we were perfectly fine. And if we would just looked at a watch, then probably wouldn't have PR'd that day. See, that's where with the watches and stuff that go around like the wrist or the arm, you have to think about positioning as well because mm-hmm. – wherever you position that it has to be in like an optimal spot in order to get the right tracking. So like if you have in the wrong spot or not tight enough or too loose, those results are going to vary a lot. So you have to make sure that it's like in the same spot every time that the tightness is about the same every time, et cetera, which makes it a lot of work. But at the same time, like with the aura, for example, cause this is the only one I've actually used is the aura ring. So the only experience I actually have is like, it's, I find it to be pretty accurate because the only time that I've ever had a score that was completely insane was like right after I got the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, the second one, which I feel like complete trash. And I didn't sleep at all really that night because I just had like a headache and was like sweating, you know, just having the side effects of the vaccine. And I had a rating that was like a 30%. But other than that, my lowest ratings, even with like getting like six or five hours of sleep, was still like around a 60 or 70. I've never seen anything as low as like 13. So it's pretty interesting. I've seen I've seen somebody with a 7 before. That was yeah, I've seen I've seen a 7 before. A college student? <laughs> no, they're just an idiot. So it was their oh. own fault. <laughs> but I was a college yeah. student, but yeah, I've seen a low score and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not shocked your score says 7." Yeah. Yeah, I think I think what you what you're saying has some validity. Um, I do think data is good, but you know, not necessarily changing your mentality based on data. So it's like kind of goes back to that thing. Sometimes you know the athlete shouldn't have access to certain things. Uh, that should be like the coach's responsibility, especially if the athlete can't manage the uh, 
like if they can't separate what they get on some whoop score with the amount of effort that they can give in one like training yeah. session, I definitely think that it wouldn't be a good thing. But I also think that the athlete should learn how to separate those two and just kind of look at things. Uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Like un- unemotionally analyze some data, just yeah. observe the data and then, uh, you know, look at it as rationally as possible rather than like changing emotional outputs or anything like that. Um, I think I if you like could figure out how to do that and use data like that, I think you'll be better off in the long run. Yeah, that's the cool I thing think about it would be nice on off days, like off days and chill days, like uh, like Tuesday when we had fifty percent muscle snatch. I would be curious to see that or see what my rest, see what my recovery score is like tomorrow. But I purposely wouldn't want to look at it on Saturday morning because I am going to be in my head like, oh man, your legs do feel a little tired now. Like I, I wouldn't even look at it. I'll look at it after I'm done training on Saturday, but I would pay attention on like off days or the really light days. Well, for, for someone who's like overanalyzing, you could like for, or for example, they do like weekly breakdowns or like monthly breakdowns. So it may Hmm. be more beneficial for an overanalyzer to look at it weekly or like monthly instead of every single day. Yeah. I like that. I guess another way you could just look at it at the end of the day. You could look at yesterday's at the end of the day or something. But I like that weekly one because, I mean, that's the same thing with other things, you know. Uh, Like one of the guys asked me just recently and they were like, hey, is it bad that on these power jerks I hit seven kilos less than I hit a couple weeks ago? And uh, my response was, well, it's always good to hit more weight, obviously, Mm -hmm. because you want to lift more weight because that's what we're doing. Uh, But that's just kind of the natural up and down in weightlifting uh, is that especially the longer that you're in the sport, you're going to have times where it's up and then you're going to have those like those valleys where you're just getting in the reps, you're building up the work capacity and it's not quite as much. You're still getting in good work, but it's uh, it's just up and downs. And so if you look at it too closely, you think, man, I just got seven kilos weaker in three weeks, which is not mm-hmm. really the case. Um, I guess that same concept can go to uh, tracking sleep. So I'm kind of looking forward to messing around with this sleep stuff. I'll ask George uh, a little bit more. George seems to have a little bit more experience with this sleep tracking stuff. So we'll uh, maybe we'll in a couple of weeks we'll have another episode where we'll talk about sleep and kind of how all that's been working. Yeah, one more thing before we change the topic from sleep. I forgot to mention like the resting heart rate portion. Um, typically, they recommend like your average adult to be between 40 to 50 beats per minute. And that would typically show that you're actually getting enough time of sleep to actually recover from your hard work. So if your heart rate's a little bit higher than that, you could be not recovering as well, or you could just be maybe not getting enough sleep as well either. Man, I thought I was like a superhuman. They said (laughs) the heartbeat was 46, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm fucking superhuman, and I don't even run. Uh, But that's average. All right. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't really think I was a superhuman, but I was surprised that it was that I, low. I'd be. I that was me with trying. blood pressure. I, I, I might, I might do the aura ring. When I would run all the time, and I'd go and get like a checkup done with the army or physical or something, my blood pressure would be really, really low. Probably like one ten over like sixty flat or something like that. And they'd be like, "Oh wow, how much do you run?" I'd get to <laughs> ask that question every time. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh I wonder if that's the case. Or you know, weightlifting is a good cardiovascular workout, just not uh it's not steady state cardio. It's uh rapid I was increase talking to somebody about pressure. that. Like I was I said that to someone the other day and I said there's a lot of things in weightlifting that you have to get good enough to notice. Like there ha- you have to be at a certain level to like feel. Not that you have to be a superstar, but like if somebody has you doing sets of five hang snatch, like that's rough. But if you're snatching 20 kilos, eh, that's not going to hit you. And your back squat's a hundred. Right. Yeah. So like it's, yeah. If, if you're hang snatching 20% of your back squat for fives, you don't realize how much that's, that's hurting everybody else compared to the person who's hang snatching 65%. So like, what is my hang snatch? Is my hang snatch like 65%? I think so. Well, usually like an efficient snatcher would be like 66% of your back squat. Um, So if you're doing a hang snatch set of five, I mean, a good one would probably be like 50% of your back squat. What would that Uh, be? Yeah, that would be tough. That's pretty close. Yeah, that would be a tough hang snatch. 50% of your back squat for a set of five. I think my best is 130 and that would best be hang uh, snatch or hang set for, uh, for five. Uh, I don't think it was for, I don't think it was a hang, but I think it was my best set of five. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, um, my best set of five is 50. 45% of my back squat yesterday on those hang snatches felt like crazy. So I couldn't um, imagine trying to go like 50 plus for a set of so five or even a set of three. Granted, I am more fresh. Like James said, I, I am a little more fresh than you guys because 100 felt really light, and that's like 47%. That's like 48% of my back squat. Uh, but I'm decent at hangs. So, but to go back, I was telling somebody how you have to get to a certain point to realize how hard weightlifting is and to get the cardio response and to have it like feel like that. Cause let's say you're in a CrossFit class, nobody's sweating. They're going for a five by five back squat and they're like, Oh yeah, we just lifted. I I will never forget. I had somebody say to me like, well, yeah, we're just lifting. You're not going to sweat when you lift. And I didn't know how to respond to that. I'm like, I, what do you mean? And then I'm dripping sweat and all, all we did was, hang snatch yesterday i hadn't even started the jerks and i'm completely soaked but if your best back squat is 50 percent of your body weight you're probably not getting that same response as the person who's back squatting three times body weight like it's just going to be different yeah and i'm using extremes like there's a whole bunch in between there where somebody will feel that but i feel like hangs are more so like rhythm as well because like coming off the floor i have a lot more room to like correct a position mm-hmm. that gets thrown off a little bit compared to like the hang. I either have the rhythm and I'm in a good groove or it's not there at all. It's, it's yeah. it was interesting. It's interesting. I remember, I remember asking James this question a few years ago because I was better at hangs for a long time. I was like, James, why are new people always better at hangs? And he just looked at me and was like, well, it's less for you to fuck up. And that is, that is so true. Like, yeah, it's, it's less to screw up, but if you're good coming from the floor, you're right. It gives you, more time to correct if you understand what you're doing. 
Yeah, if you have that awareness, that body right. awareness to make those corrections. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of goes back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago, too, is, you know, somebody that's snatching for a set of five, 20 percent of their back squat. Are they really getting a good workout? Probably not. And that's why I think things like high volume, other sports help people get that volume to get that base level of strength. So that th when they do a hang snatch with, I don't know, uh, let's just say it's that they can actually do a hang snatch with, you know, 45% of their back squat, you know, then they've reached a level where it's actually hard enough and actually enough weight for them <clears throat> to get a stimulus, get a stress. Um, and I think that's why. Uh, so many women coming from CrossFit are so strong. It's because they just needed that burst of volume. Um, and the same thing could be said with like gymnastics, uh, women mm -hmm. and uh, like why they are so good when they transfer over to weightlifting because they've had that volume that they need to like push them over that edge to actually get strong. Um, and then like for men, what, uh, what sports do men come from that do well in weightlifting? Um, Football, track and field. Yeah, football. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I don't like football, but it's definitely it's reckless volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is reckless volume. Yeah. At a, every play, you're going 100% full speed, blowing into someone repeatedly. Yeah. Um, men's gymnastic isn't quite the same because that's too upper body dependent, and they have to have mm -hmm. small lower bodies so that they're lightweight. Um, so we don't really get men's gymnasts in weightlifting. Uh, but yeah, we got some swimmers. That guy, yeah. Kaiser Whip, swimmer. Mm -hmm. um, we had like three yeah, swimmers so for a while. I don't think it works. I think you got to... I mean, you could still do weightlifting and get good at it when you're young, but you just have to do more. You can't just do weightlifting. Because otherwise, you're only going to be snatching 20% of your squat. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, controversial statement because you know, I've been calm the whole time. If you are snatching 50% of your back squat, and uh, not including new people, everybody's going to snatch 30% of the back squat at some point. So once you've been lifting, let's say two, three years, if you're snatching 50% of your back squat, you still haven't gotten to the point where you have a decent stimulus. Yeah or nay? Say, say that one more time. If, if, and this is, again, not talking about new people, at least, well, this is still kind of new, at least two, two and a half years in. If you are snatching 50% of your back squat, you have not reached the point where you're getting a stimulus from snatching yet, or at least a heavy stimulus from snatching yet. Yeah, I don't know. You're kind of crossing over that border. Uh, you're getting into the realm of it. Um, I and mean, that's, that's me and George snatching 105. Because if 105 is George and I's best snatch, if that was the 50%, well, I guess me, I'm sorry, George, you squat more than me. We'll just say 105. If 105 is the <laughs> most that I could snatch, taking 50% of my back squat, you're not always hitting that number, which means majority of my volume is going to be around... 90 kilos 
So now if I'm snatching 90 kilos as my heavy snatch stimulus, but I'm back squatting 210, am I really getting anything? So what is your actual one rep max into relation to your, or your snatch one rep max in relation to your back squat one rep max? Cause like percentage I just did, yeah, I just did the math and I basically snatch 55% of my one rep max back squat. Yeah. George, and I definitely snatch like I way more. Pretty good. Pretty good. But I still get a very good stimulus from snatch. So I uh, think that you would have to look at the overall like tonnage and volume as well. Because I, I think you, that gets if tricky. You're doing, if you're doing complexes at 70% and that's only 90 kilos and you're not getting tired, then add an extra set. Yeah, I think there's, I think that's not, I think it's too broad of a, uh, of a percentage to make any decisions off of because there's just too many other factors that come into it. What other factors uh, are you thinking about? I mean, body proportions. Okay. Is is a big one. I mean, uh, I used to, so there's a guy that I went to high school with and he was on the wrestling team with me and he was a heavier, he was heavier than me, uh, but I was way better than him in the weight room. Um, but he was consistent and he trained really hard in the weight room with us, uh, but he was kind of tall and lanky. And, you know, I always thought, oh, yeah, this guy's not that he's not super strong. But then on like the wrestling mat, like his mat strength was significantly more than mine um, just because he had better leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, he was strong, but when you're actually lifting weights, the leverage was working against him. But when he was doing a sport, the leverage was working for him. So it just depends on like, on what it is. Cause we were talking about that the other day too, like sprinters, you know, the, the leverage that works for them is like long toes or something, you know, and long toes might, I mean, long toes probably won't affect a snatch, but long legs would probably affect a snatch mm-hmm. or most definitely a squat. Um, so I don't know. There's just a lot of factors and that's only one. That's only the anthropometrics and stuff. Okay. Could be, you know, what else they're doing? Are they a fast twitch athlete or are they a slow twitch athlete? Is it a technique issue or is it a something else? Yeah, there's lots of stuff. <coughs> uh, but James, with those last two, all right, so yes, fast twitch, slow twitch would make a difference. But that wouldn't, do you think that's affecting them at such a low percentage? Uh, you need to get around a really slow twitch dominant person and you'll see <laughs> we're around weightlifters a lot. So like in, and athletes that are tend to be like prized in the weight loop weight room or like the explosive ones, but you get into like a slow twitch sport and you see an athlete, you know, that athlete should develop their fast twitch as well. Cause even marathon runners that win have a higher percentage of fast twitch. But if you get in and you meet like a slow twitch person and you're just amazed like, wow, you are still like athletic, but you're so slow. Like in that respect, like then you'll see it and you're like, oh, wow, this is okay. what a slow twitch person is. Okay. Uh, but you just kind of have to see that extreme to kind of see how that affects things. Um, and it's, I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah, but that's pretty much what I'm saying. I'm, okay. If you're slow twitch, you should become fast twitch. And I'm, I'm thinking about this snatch thing. 
you saw and like you saw Cal Strength put up that, which we've talked about this before, where they said if you're not clean and jerking, or if your backs, how did they word it? Basically, your back squat should be 130 to 135 percent of your clean and jerk, and if it's not, then you need to work on your clean and jerk. Um, I had three different people send that to me and say, "What? I'm 50 kilos under that." I was like, "Yep, I know." Um, so, at what point do you think? that matters because you want athletes to get a strength base. You want athletes to be strong because that's, what's going to matter eventually at the end. But at what point do you say, Hey, these athletes are clean and jerking 50% of their back squat. This, this takes me back to this blog that was written by uh, Glenn. And he was talking about where basically like you should spend an equal amount of time on the technical versus the strength lift as well. So like, as long as you're spending like an equal amount of time in both of those rooms, then you'll have long-term success and long-term progress. I personally think I, and I said this the other week to someone, I think you should spend 60, at least 60% on figuring out how to move because getting strong is easier than fixing somebody's fuckery after they've done it for getting strong takes a lot longer than developing technical. It is going to, it is going to, it it is going to take a long time, but have like trying to correct somebody's bad habit compared to telling them, Hey, we're going to squat for the next three years. Like fixing bad habits are harder than just making somebody strong. I think it's a lot easier to learn to keep the, like to learn a position for one of the Olympic lifts versus gaining absolute strength. I disagree. Hmm. So what I just heard was it's individual and it depends. Look at the individual (laughs) athlete and work on them with what they need uh, instead of just grouping them into a stereotypical thing. But yeah, I think it should be a pretty, for most people, it's going to be a pretty balanced uh, back and forth between technique and strength. And I mean, if you, if you focus on one side too much, you'll just start seeing you know, that pendulum starts swinging to one side and then really you just need to make sure you stop, reevaluate and then um, make decisions, rational decisions based on the, what you have reevaluated and what's going to make you better in weightlifting. Because really that's what counts in the end is how much do you snatch and clean and jerk. As long as you can keep that relative in mind in competition, um, you're going to be on the right track. Um do you think it's easier to swing? I think it's easier to swing strength late than it is positioning and technique late. I mean, if you have somebody swing that is strength? way too far. Yeah. If you have somebody that's way too far one way, like they move beautifully. It's a 81 kilo guy. He moves excellent, but he back squats 120 kilos. Like, uh, okay. Like we need to get him strong. He's just not strong yet. So I think it's easier to, after he moves well, year let's say year five all of a sudden now okay we're gonna hammer him with strength i think that's an easier fix than having a guy who comes in an 81 kilo lifter with a 270 back squat and he moves like trash and saying cool you're strong now after five years now we're gonna teach you how to move because you've been moving like trash for five years i think that is a harder fix your own expectations on these situations rather than 
the reality. Because if you come in and you got somebody that's 270 and you're like, oh, you're going to be so good at weightlifting so fast, you're just expecting them to get good faster. When really, if you just take it at a nice slow pace and progress them from there, the person that's stronger will probably get better faster anyway, as long as they don't get buried down with frustration because they're expecting to get better even faster because they squat 270. You know, if you still like do a logical progression of snatch and clean and jerk, I think the strong person will get better faster than the weaker person. It also depends on what age they're coming into weightlifting mm-hmm. with. Um, because like a, it, it takes a long time to get strong. It takes, it takes diligence. It takes, you know, it takes a long time. You can learn a new skill really fast, especially like if you get like deep into like skill building de- techniques and stuff. Um, I think the thing that will make somebody take a longer time to learn the technique is if they're like, uh, flexibility is the issue because flexibility will take a little bit longer, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It depends on that. We've been going for an hour. I think it's a good time to stop. Um, so today we had Andrew on to, um, Andrew Marquez. Uh, you can look him up on Instagram if you want to follow him at Snatch Shack. Shack which um, makes sense when you hang Snatch over 140. Monster. Monster. Yeah, Snatch Shack. Um, yeah, go follow him on Instagram. His uh, Something happened with his internet or, or with his app. We lost him halfway through, but... Uh, it was cool to have him on there today. And uh, where can people find you guys? Find me at George81KG on Instagram or at the House of Weightlifting page. And I am Tyree underscore Thor on Instagram. All right. And check us out at houseofweightlifting.com. Thanks for listening, guys.